0: Thank you for listening to the weekly message from Trinity at Fairview. Here's Pastor Stacy Harris. Got a copy of the word. Open it up to the book of John, chapter 4, verse 23. And uh, you can also look for John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. going can look at a little, both, both of these passages, just a phrase or two out of each one. The series we're in is called Catalyst catalyst is something that ignites or inspires. A catalyst is, is something that stirs, if you will. A catalyst in chemistry is something that speeds a reaction. It increases the intensity, if you will, of a reaction. And we've been considering some spiritual catalysts, if you will, things that speed up and intensify the action of God. It's already going on in our lives. If he is at work, I want him at work as marvelously and as most majestically as he possibly can be. If he's going to be at work in me, I don't want him hindered. I want him loose to do all that he wants to do in me. If there's some of his power and his presence to be had in my life, then I want every bit of it that he can possibly pour out on me. What are those catalysts that we've looked at? We've seen four so far. One is faith. If you want to see God get to work in your life, begin to act in faith. Begin to exercise faith. This experience is a whole lot less about logic. And it's a whole lot more about faith than we ever think about. The word challenges us "The just shall live by faith. So this is something we must undertake is to begin to operate in faith. We learned without faith it is impossible to even please God. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The first catalyst is faith that we considered. If you want to see God get to work in your life, begin to exercise your faith. The second was service. Find that place of God-called, God-ordained service in your life, and there you'll find His presence and His power every time. I don't know if I ever feel the presence of the God more, more closely in my life than when I'm doing what He's called me to do, where He's called me to do it, for the reason that He's called me to do it. And when I find myself serving Him and serving others, there is His presence and His power, precious in my heart and in my life. Service is a a catalyst. Thirdly, we looked at the body as a catalyst. We looked at this one passage in Hebrews that taught us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, but all the more gather together and exhort one another. As you see the day approaching, How many of y'all understand the day of the Lord is at hand? How many of y'all believe that's true? Then our job is not to segment as the body of Christ, but to come together as the body of Christ and begin to exhort one another all the more. And what a catalyst is the body. When you get around God's people, I find that God gets on you. How many of y'all find that's true? When I'm around God's people, I find He gets on me. It helps me. The catalyst is the body. We looked at the catalyst of prayer Man, I don't know if anything great ever happens in this earth or in the spiritual realm without prayer undergirding it and preceding it. I believe it predicates every great move of God in the life of his bride, the church. And men we'd do well to learn to pray. We're undertaking a 21-day fast together. I hope that y'all are all involved in that. You say, Pastor, I missed last Sunday. I can't get in. Listen, a 14-day fast is just fine with me. Go by the back back there. Pick you up a purple sheet. Man, find something that the Holy Ghost has called you to fast and give it to Him for a couple of weeks. What are we asking for? Well, as a corporate body, we're asking for a mighty move of God in our Empower Bible Conference. You pray to that end that we have a God-ordained, a God-perpetrated mighty move of the Holy Spirit. Not that a choir sung up or that a preacher's preached up, but something that God has poured down and on and in us. That's what I'm after in those days as we come together. Prayer. What a catalyst. Learn to exercise it. Today I want to talk quickly if I can, and I'm going to try not to go near as long as I did in the first service. I want to talk about this catalyst of of worship. Using just this one verse in John chapter 4 and verse 23 is a springboard. And just one verse in John chapter 12. We'll read three, but we'll only use one. We're going to consider this catalyst of, of worship. Before I read, I, I just want to ask you a question. I wonder, wonder today, wonder if you've come to worship I wonder if when you got up this morning and started putting on your clothes. And I wonder when you took the time to get in the car and to drive down here. I wonder amidst all the things you encountered this morning that could have held you from here. Or the things you encountered that had your attention in some way, shape, or form. I, I just wonder, sitting here right now, have you, have you come here today to worship the living God? Beloved, I'm here to tell you, I came here today. With a purpose on my heart. And that purpose was to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I wonder today if you've come to worship. Let's read these verses together. John chapter 4 verse 23 reads this way. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. Read this with me. In spirit and in truth. And if you're going to highlight anything, you ought to highlight this last phrase For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. Look at John chapter 12 with me. We're going to read verses 1 through 3. This passage of Scripture lies at the end of a great and miraculous thing Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. On purpose, terror until he died, just so he might show forth his great power and his great victory over death and that many might believe on him. And here we see him in Bethany. We pick it up in 12.1. It says, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, which was, was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, what a, what a thing. That they made him a supper. And Martha served, which was her normal mode. And Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Verse 3 reads this way. And here's the primary focus of today. Then took Mary. A pound of ointment of spikenard. Very costly. And anointed the feet of Jesus. She wiped his feet with her hair. And read this last phrase with me. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. As I studied this passage, I have to admit I was captured. My spirit and my thought process was captured by that last phrase in chapter 4 and verse 23. It was captured. A marvelous passage of Scripture in and of itself. The hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. What a marvelous concept. What a marvelous statement. What what a joy to know that, man, God's not looking for a place or a time. He's looking for spirit and truth in His worship. What a marvelous understanding. But don't miss this. That last phrase that captured me reads this way. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father seeketh such to worship Him. Now, I look for things all the time. I find myself losing things and trying to find them all the time. Not too long ago, I loaded up the trash in the back of the truck to take it down the hill. This took some time as I had missed a week. And man alive, I started to get ready to go. I felt my pockets. Couldn't find my keys. Man, I started looking around. I started tearing the house down. I started turning over the cat dish. I started emptying the cat litter. I almost had to get in the trash bags and think, Man, I dropped my keys in there the whole time thinking, Where in the world are those keys? I had them just a minute ago. How many of y'all ever been? Hey, hey, just a minute ago I had those things in my hand. Where are they? And here I am searching uh, the entire universe for something that I had in my possession just a minute ago. It's very difficult for me to think of God as looking for anything. It's very difficult for me to think about that because here's God omniscient. That means He knows everything. God, who knows the location of every star in the heavens. God, who knows their timetable and their functions. God, who knows the changing of the seasons. God, who knows you and who knows me. God, who knows every hair on my head. God, who knows my thoughts before I think them. God, who knows my need before I ever have it. Here's God looking for something and that's hard for me to fathom and it captured my thought processes i begin to look at this word seeketh it says the the father seeketh those now it doesn't mean that god is frantically searching for worshipers it doesn't mean that he's in a panic it doesn't mean that he's frustrated trying to find something Strong's tells us this. Strong's number 2212 is what we're looking at here. Seeking means this, to seek after, to strive for. And I love this meaning that the concordance brings out. It says to crave is what it means. And here we have Jesus saying, now listen to me. The Father craves somebody who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now, we understand the craving, don't we? I do. (laughs) I think I live in a state of craving something. And we rode up the mountain yesterday with a a group of faith riders from the church, had a few bikes and a couple of old cars, and we ended up on top of Mount Mitchell in one of my favorite restaurants. It's the highest restaurant on the east coast. It's up on the top of that thing, 6684, I believe, is the number of the elevation of this restaurant. And incidentally, it's very good. It's worth the drive up there, beloved. I'm just telling you. When you walk in, they have on the counter a row of homemade desserts. And they got them on display for you to see as you pass by and go sit down at your table. One of those things arrested my eyes. It was a homemade pound cake with lemon icing on it. How many of y'all can say glory to God? I saw that thing when I went by and gosh, it arrested my thought process. I thought, wow, look at that. Wouldn't that be good? A big slice of it with some vanilla bean ice cream. How many of y'all can feel me? Brother, I started craving that, right? I started thinking, gosh, that'd be good. The waiter said, you better order it first. They get gone quickly. And I thought, well, I can't do that. I can't give in that quickly. But I'm going to tell you, the whole time I was eating my pork chop, the whole time I was eating, my mashed potatoes the whole time I was on them soup beans and cornbread I didn't taste them at all because all I was thinking about was that lemon ice pound cake with, with a little vanilla bean ice cream and man I kept my eye on it they kept cutting slice after slice after slice off of it and it got down pretty thin I thought man maybe one more is all they're going to get I saw a guy going over there I shouted out brother don't touch that that is mine now you all hear what I said hey hey and man, when she brought that to the table, you say, did you get it? Oh, yes, we had to fight for it. No, I'm just lying. We didn't have to fight over it. I ordered really quickly. She brought it to the table with a little vanilla ice cream. You talk about a kid getting happy. Oh, this kid was happy on top of Mount Mitchell up there, more than a mile high, having a time of my life, beloved. Craving was satisfied. If you want to see God get happy in your life, begin to worship Him. Begin to decide that you're going to worship Him. Begin to make a conscious decision that I am going to worship the Lord, that I have come here today to worship the Lord, church. I believe the Lord is up in heaven right now. I believe his eyes are scanning the horizon. I believe his eyes are surveying this congregation. I believe he's looking into every heart. I believe he's scanning every thought. I believe he's piercing every soul. And I believe he's wanting. And I believe he's waiting. And I believe he's craving someone to worship him. Not in a fake way, but in a spirit and truth kind of way. And I just wonder if you'll ask yourself this question. Have you come here today to worship him? Is it you that he's looking for? Is it you that'll say, Father, if you're looking for somebody to worship you, don't you look any further. Father, if you're wanting somebody to satisfy that in your life, I just wonder if there's anybody in this house today that would say, Pastor, it's me. I've come here to worship today. I'm not going to sit idly by. I'm not going to let this opportunity go. I'm going to give glory and honor and praise unto the one who's worthy. His name is Jesus Christ of Nazareth and I have come here today to To worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's looking for that, beloved. Today, right now, he's seeking someone who will worship and honor and adore him. Word says, wow. On the tidbit, let me tell you, the Father is looking for someone, Jesus said, who will worship. When we consider worship today, i got to be honest with you, I almost decided to try to define it and to try to go that route. And and, and I, I think that we overwork ourselves trying to define something sometimes that cannot be defined. I don't know if you can fully define what it means to worship. If you read a worship book, the first chapter of every one of them is going to spend all the time it can trying to come to a working definition of worship in your life. And I got to admit, I was challenged to go down that way. That was my intention. That was my thought process. But I'm telling you, God arrested me with this little passage. He took me over here to this little passage. And here's the question we really need to ask not what is the definition of worship, but this is the question. If God is looking for worship, what kind of worship is He looking for? If God is looking for worship, what, what kind? is he looking for? It's much better to consider that. Listen, I don't really care what kind of gift I give somebody as long as it's what they want and they love it. How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? I, I don't care. I bought some gifts. I had no idea what they were. I had no idea what their function was. They were on somebody's list and I went to the store and I bought it and to tell you the truth, I don't care what it did or what it was as long as they were happy when I gave it to them, honestly. And that's what we ought to think about worship. Father, don't help me over... Help me not to overanalyze this. Help me not to think about this so much. Help me just give you what you want and watch you be happy when I put it in your presence. I want to see you get excited when I give it to you. I don't care if I really understand it. All I want is Him to be happy with the offering that I give Him in worship. So if we look in one verse in John chapter 12... I believe we can glean just a few thoughts. I promised you I was going to go fast, and I'm all right. you buckle your belts. Here we go. I'm going to give you four things that I believe God is looking for in worship. What kind of worship is he looking for? What is he looking for? First of all, I believe he's looking for personal worship. I love the first three words of verse 12. It says, then took Mary. Then took Mary. He was careful to point her out, wasn't he? He was careful to, to talk about Mary. And Mary was a worshiper. Mary wasn't going to have somebody else worship for her. Isn't it interesting that she didn't go to, to Lazarus and say, Hey, hey, I know you have his ear. I, I, I know he's listening to you. Gosh, he just raised you from the dead out here. And I know you have his ear. You're sitting at the table with him. Listen, in conversation, can you just tell him how much you love him? And can you just tell him how much he means to me? Interesting that she didn't say that. Interesting that she did not go to Martha and say, I I know that you're cooking for him, which, by the way was her mode of worship. Don't belittle her too much. She was serving the Lord, and that was her mode of worship. So don't get down on Martha. It's interesting that she didn't go to Martha and say, hey, I, I know you've cooked him a fabulous meal. I, I know you're going to serve it to him. And when you, when you set it down in front of him, do you mind just whispering in his ear how much I care for him and how thankful I am for who he is in my life and how thankful I am that he raised my brother from the dead? And here he sits in our own household. Can you do you mind when you have a minute to tell him? No, she had the kind of worship that wouldn't settle for that. She said, I'm going to worship him myself. And she planned it and perpetrated it on her own. Nobody had to do it for her. We've got a little daughter that's in college. And from time to time, she will call and say, Dad. I need you to put a little money on my card. How many of you hear what I'm saying? Can you feel me? Sometimes she just runs low on money. She doesn't know where it goes, so she'll call me and say, Dad, I, I need you to put a little money on my card. So I'll call up the bank, and I'll say, This is Stacy again. How many of you oh, Hey, hey, I need you to transfer a little money out of our account and put it in, in on Rachel's Global Points card. And they'll say, I got you, Pastor. I'll take good care of you, and they do it, and I don't have another worry in the world. She called the other night and it was after hours, it was past 5.30 when she called me. So when I called, I didn't get my local branch, I got the State Employees Credit Union on a, on a state level. And I began to talk to the lady, she was as nice as she could be, she took my account number, she asked me what I wanted to do, and she said, I got a real problem. I said, what's the problem? She said, uh, uh, Rachel's credit card's not hooked to your name, it's hooked to Tammy's name. I said, wow. So what's the problem? How many of y'all here, I didn't didn't see a problem with that at all. She said, well, Tammy's going to have to call me because I do not have any authorization to even talk to you about what's going on. She said, i got to talk to one particular person. And you see, today God is after, in your life, your personal worship. I'm going to tell you something. I am not satisfied with somebody else taking my worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm not going to allow somebody else to honor the Lord for what he's done for me. I'm here to tell you Lazarus, he did a lot for Lazarus. Martha, he'd done a lot for Martha. The disciples were in that room. He'd done a lot for them and their lives. But let me tell you, he'd done some things for Mary that only he and Mary knew about. And beloved, when it came time to worship, she just bypassed everybody else, went right to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she said, I'm going to give you my worship first person, first hand. I'm not going to allow anybody else to come to you with my worship. And I tell you, that makes sense in my life. You know why? Because you don't know the depths of His grace and His mercy that He's poured out in my life. Let me tell you, you weren't there the day that He birthed me into His kingdom. You weren't there the day that He called me into the gospel ministry. You weren't there the day that I needed wisdom so bad I couldn't stand it and there was His voice speaking into my life. You weren't there the day I needed provision in a way that God Himself could only provide it in my life. And he proved himself to be Jehovah Jireh. You weren't there when he picked me up and carried me through the situations that I didn't have a hope in this world of walking through on my own. And what God's after is not you telling him what he's done in my life. He's after me telling him what he's done in my life. He's after me loving on him today. And I just wonder if there's anybody in this house that can look back in their life and say, Father, I have some personal worship I'd love to give to you this morning. First and foremost, not somebody else, me praising you, me honoring you, me glorifying you for the things you've done, not for somebody else, but for the things you've done for me. I just give you an opportunity. You all to praise and honor and worship the Lord for what he's done in your life today. Not what he's done in someone else's life, but what he's done in your life today. Praise be unto God. You ought to thank Him for healing you. You ought to thank Him for protecting you. You ought to thank Him for providing for you. You ought to thank Him for walking with you when nobody else would. He's worthy of the glory, the honor, the worship, and the praise. i got to hustle. First of all, worship has got to be personal. Secondly, God is not only looking for personal worship. God is looking for what I call costly worship. Look at the next phrase. It says, she took a pound of ointment. And then you ought to highlight these two words very costly and there's much made about trying to figure out how much a, a pound of this ointment costs but I'm here to tell you it doesn't matter how much a pound of that ointment costs what matters is what the word of God says it says it was very costly to her And I'm going to tell you what God's looking for you to worship him what he's looking for, for from you in worship Is a costly worship. I sometimes get under conviction. At the flippancy. I walk into the presence of God with. And what he's looking for from us today. Is not some old cheap worship. And by the way. Real worship is not cheap. It's costly. If you want to see a prime example of this. You ought to go back to Genesis chapter 22. There's Abraham and Isaac. Isaac, the son of promise. Thine only Isaac. That's the way Abraham thought of him. He was the apple of his daddy's eye. More than that, he was the promise of God. The hope and the future for the entire nation of Israel. And I could see that it would have been very easy for Abraham... To begin to treasure Isaac a whole lot more than he treasured his father. And God said to him, I want something from you, Abraham. And this is not a little something. He said, I want. I want your best. I want the best you got. I want that thing you love the most. I want Isaac. The word said that Abraham, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, began to journey. And after he journeyed three days, the Holy Ghost spoke to him again and said, There's the place. There. That's where I want him. The word says that he got Isaac, who didn't even know. Got his wood. Got his fire. Got his knife. Started to head off. Up that mountain. And as he was leaving, he turned to his people. And he said, I and the lad are going there. What did he say? To worship. He did say, we'll come back, didn't he? He did say that. But he said, we're going there to worship. He said, was he lying? Was he trying to conceal what he was going to do? Was he trying to make those guys feel better? No, I believe he had never said anything more sincerely in all of his life. For he understood that if he was going to worship God, above all else, it was going to cost him the very best that he had. In church, what our Father is looking for from us in worship today is no <laughs> part-time, cheap, paltry offering in our hands when we come to Him in worship He's looking for the very best that we have. He'll not settle for being second best in your life. Worship comes from two words. worth It means I love you more than anything in this world. That's what it means. And when Abraham went with Isaac, what he was saying is, God, there's nothing that I care more for than you. And when we come into a congregation or when we're in our private time of worship, our main theme ought to be, God, I care for you more than any other thing in my life. And as I come here to worship you today, I don't come with half an offering. I come with my very best and I give it to you. We're preached that in the world today. We're challenged and compelled to give our best in every arena. We're challenged and compelled to give our best in in our jobs, man. Where you are in the workplace, they say, do your best. Do your best at it. And the Word of God counsels us that whatever you do, do your best at it, and do it for the glory of God. The world challenges us to be our best in athletics, man, and we stress this to our kids. Listen, do your best. Be your best. Give your best. Don't leave anything in the bag. We're encouraged in the field of academics. Do well in school. We're encouraged in our relationships, our friendships. Do your best by your friends. Even in our ministries. Listen, I want to do the best job I can do for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's called me to do. We're encouraged in that way in our bodies. Eat right, not pound cake and ice cream. Eat right and do your best to live a healthy and a whole life. We're encouraged in our families and in our marriages. Give your spouse your best. But I'm here to tell you, God will take nothing less than your very best in your worship to him either. And we push that to the back, and we give him what is left. And I'm here to tell you, he'll accept nothing in worship from you except the very best worship that you can possibly give him. I don't know about you today, but I love him more than anything on the face of this earth. I think about that old song. We sang it a couple of Wednesday nights ago. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. And what Mary was saying is, listen, I don't care who else is in the house. I don't care who's looking on. I don't care what the cost of it was. I'm going to pour it out at the feet of the one I love more than anybody in the world at the feet of Jesus Christ. And church will really feel his power and his presence when we get to the place where we're not afraid to pay any price he asks us to pay in worship of the king of kings. Thirdly, and in a hurry, I want you to see that God's not only concerned with personal worship, God's not only looking for costly worship, God's looking for what I call lavish worship. Look what she did. It says that she anointed the feet of Jesus. And she wiped his feet with her hair. Wasn't there a towel in the house? I mean, that's what you think. I mean, did it, did it really take all that? Did you, have to, did you have to use your hair to wipe you something? I mean, was, it, was, it, was it really all that? Let me tell you, a heart of a true worshiper says, it's worth anything I can pour out. God doesn't only challenge us to bring our best. He challenges us to do our best in worship. He challenges us to leave nothing in the tank. My dear grandmother used to challenge me when I was a young man. She'd say, son, save half. Of every payday you ever get. Now I mean when I was nine years old. I didn't even know what a payday was. Here was my grandmother saying save half of every payday you get. Well beloved now I'm 40 some odd years old. And I wish to goodness. How many of y'all hear me? I wish I'd have done it beloved. I really do. I'd have had a whole lot of money. She stressed that, save, think about tomorrow, be ready. And that generation had to, they had to think about everything they ever had in their life and how they could make it go just as far. They couldn't live in the moment, they had to think about what was coming down the road. Let's just get satisfied as least we can here, and then let's use, let's make sure we got enough for what's going on down the road. We're counsel today. Get ready for retirement. Save for your vacation. Do all, all those things are right and good. They're wise and they're what you should do. But I'm here to tell you, God isn't looking for stewardship in the arena of worship. What He's looking for is spending in the arena of worship. He's not asking you to save a dime's worth of your worship. He's saying when I brush by you, now I'm not talking about a fake it till you make it and walk in here and let's just start uh, doing some histrionics till the Holy Ghost shows up. Here's what I'm talking about is when he brushes by you, beloved, you ought to stop everything you're doing and pour everything you've got out at his feet for his glory, his honor, and his praise. You ought to hold nothing back I'm here to tell you that in your workplace when he shows up, you ought to find the break room somewhere and you ought to lift your hands and you ought to get out on your face and you ought to say, Father, I'm not going to miss this moment with you. Father, I'm going to worship and honor you and praise you and adore you. When you're in your quiet time and those Holy Ghost bumps start to come up on your arm, you ought to lay your Bible study aside and you ought to get in the posture of worship and praise and adoration of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When he brushes by you on the road, beloved. You ought to pull to the side and say, Father, I'm in the floorboard down on my face, lifting you glory and honor and praise. It's due your name. Why? Because he may not be around there that way ever again. And you ought to seize that opportunity to give him all you got lavishly in worship not a stewardship deal this is a spending deal when we're talking about worship give him all you got hold nothing back don't you worry about tomorrow you say pastor is that in this text yes the first thing Judas Iscariot did was say why in the world did she do that that's so wasteful couldn't she just use a little bit of it and accomplish the same thing and we could have sold the rest of it and gave it to the poor and you know what Jesus said let her alone let her alone the poor you always have with me. But he said, you don't always have me. And see, she understood. It wasn't going to be many days. Six, to be exact. She wouldn't have her Lord. in that form in her presence again. And she was not going to leave a thing in the bag. When it came to worship. What kind of worship is God looking for from you? He's looking for lavish worship. That's what he's looking for. In closing, I want to mention this. Fourthly, I believe he's looking also for what I call aromatic worship. Look at the last phrase in verse 3. It says this. And the house was filled. The house was filled. With the odor of the ointment. With the odor of the worship. The house was filled. You know, aromatherapy is the big thing now, isn't it? Everybody's doing aromatherapy. Go get it, man. I get it when I can. It's a good thing, man. All those smells, all those things, they just liven your senses and get you going. Aromatherapy's good. Man, you go to Yankee Candle, you can make your house smell just like anything you want to. Uh, They got a candle named Everything in This World at Yankee Candle. I didn't know there were that many different fragrances of candles that could possibly uh, come into existence. But if you go in there, they've got one for what you're looking for. I mean, it might be clean linen. It might be lavender mist. Who knows what it is? It may be Seaside Adventure. Who knows what it is They've even got one If you and your your wife or husband Want to spend some time together at night Go get the moonlight encounter candle And light it And you bet you got anything you want That can make your house smell Just about any old way you want I'm going to tell you what Tammy's favorite is I know she's over there I'll tell you what her favorite fragrance is What really gets her excited Is when she cracks the door of the house And it smells like Clorox How many of y'all hear what I'm saying? Hey, hey! (laughs) Hallelujah, man! Moonlight path to the side, baby. When she cracks the door and the Clorox fragrance comes out, she thinks, hey, Stace has been clean and praise be unto God. That's some work I don't have to do. That's some things, man, if I won't get her jacked up, just let the house smell like Clorox. I got to admit, I hope you're not listening, baby. Sometimes I just spray it around. So when she, hey, y'all hear me? I just spray it around so the house will smell like that when she comes home. You know what God's favorite fragrance is, what he's looking for, is a house filled with the fragrance of born-again children of his, worshiping him in spirit and in truth. I believe He's up in heaven. I believe today He's up in heaven surveying the congregations of the United States. I believe, yay, He's surveying the congregations of the world as we know it today. And I believe He's walking by each one of them. And I believe He's at the door, and I believe He'll crack it. And I believe there are some of those. that He goes, yeah, yeah. Now that's what I'm looking for. That's the aroma that I'm looking for. That's the fragrance of worship. And I'm going to go right back to where I started with you at the beginning of this. I wonder today if you've come here to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I wonder if there's anybody in the house today that would say, Father, if nobody else will, I'll be the one that stands to my feet. I'll be the one that gets on my face. I'll be the one that lifts to you the glory and the honor and the praise and the adoration that you alone and that your name alone deserves. You ought to give it up for him today, I believe. It'd be a sweet-smelling savour to the nostrils of Almighty God. If His children, called by His name, would just understand the church is about worshiping the King of kings. not about being entertained. It's not about being preached to. It's about worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are. And just pray, Father, accept our worship. Let it be a sweet-smelling savor to your nostrils. Would you just ask Him personally? Would you tell Him personally, Lord, I love you today. My mind's not on anything else. My mind's on you today. I love you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for how you've blessed me. Thank you for how you've delivered me. And let me tell you something. Even if He hadn't done a thing for you, just because He's the God of this universe, He's worthy of your worship today. Say, Father, I'm willing to give you anything. That's a dangerous thing to say, but you ought to say it. Father, today I give you anything i got in worship. Anything. Be ready when He brushes by. Especially in the house of God. Honor and praise and adorn. Now, listen, all worship is not shouting and jumping. Sometimes He drives you to your face. Matter of fact, most of the time in the Word of God, did I ever see anybody really worship God? They were just like Mary. They found themselves on their faces, saying nothing at the feet of Jesus. All I'm saying today, church, is worship we hope you've been blessed by today's message if you'd like to find out more about trinity of fairview visit us online at trinityoffairview.org or call 828-628-1188